church. Good morning. My name's Will. This is Graham. He, I think, is a little bit hungry, so we're going to do this quickly. Um, <laughs> it was just under a year ago when Hannah and I found out that we were pregnant, and I told her the first thing that I was so excited to do was use my kid, boy or girl, as a sermon illustration. <laughs> I, as a preacher's kid, have endured a lifetime of it and still do, and, uh, and he's in for a lifetime of it, and I'm so excited. I can't wait for that. Um, but I thought I would just bring him out here to say hello, and, um, and I've just been amazed over two months. He's two and a half months old, over two months, how much he has grown and is really fussy right now. Um, but two weeks after we brought him home from the hospital, Hannah had to run, in a, and do, uh, run an errand or something, and I was home, and I said, you know what, I'll, I'll just keep him. And first of all, can we hear it for all the moms who sacrifice everything for their kids? Like, that's awesome, yes, yes. And so she came back, and she asked, did we have a good time? And I was like, you know what? We had a great time. We played some Ultimate Frisbee. We, I taught him how to do a backflip. We had just a fantastic time. I was like, babe, we haven't moved off the couch since you left. <laughs> he doesn't do anything yet. But it has changed. It is incredible. We know that one of his favorite things is looking at the ceiling fan, go round and round. Um, he has a puppy that you twist up and makes noise that we keep on the changing table. We call it Poopy Puppy. Um, that he really loves and looks for every time we change a diaper. But it is incredible how just in a couple short months he's grown. I'm going to go ahead and pass him off so he can uh, maybe get some food or, or hopefully be a little bit more comfortable than up here. <laughs> so. But it is incredible how over just a couple short months he has grown. But that's what we expect of babies, right? That they grow over time. I got so annoyed as a kid when I wouldn't see someone in a few years, one of my parents' friends, and I was like six the last time I saw him, and now I'm 16, and they're like, you've grown up so much. What do you expect? It's been 10 years. You still want me to look like a six-year-old. Of course I've grown up. <laughs> but that's what we expect of kids, is that over time they grow, and that's what we expect of adults, right? If we pick up a new hobby or a new interest, that over time we grow. We become better at it. On Wednesday nights, we've been doing Financial Peace University, and one of, the, um, one of the people who's in that class was selling a whole bunch of stuff on Facebook. Hannah was scrolling through Facebook a week ago and saw this person selling five, six, seven, eight different things from their home and like, yes, this is what it's all about. We're learning new stuff about getting out of debt and staying out of debt. We're selling the things that we have that we may not need anymore to pay off that debt, to manage money better. And like, this is growth. This is what we expect to see out of people as they grow. And the same is true in our faith that we have to grow in our faith. A couple weeks ago, I was sharing with you guys how when Mark retired and I stepped into his shoes, he encouraged me to develop my own vision for the church and how I put a team together and I basically just gave him the box of what I want us to be known for as a church is making disciples. Jesus' command to us right before he left to go make disciples, to baptize them and to teach them. And so we asked the question, what is involved with making disciples? What is a mark of a disciple. What does that look like? And we came up with three words, love, grow, and serve. And last week we talked about love. This week we're talking about growing in our faith. Because at the end of the day, we cannot just stay infants in the faith. We can't stay babies in the faith that over time we should be growing into mature believers, into mature adult believers in the faith. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. As we begin, what I really want to emphasize here at the beginning are the risks 
of not growing. Because why are we motivated to grow in the first place? Why is it so important that we grow in our faith? Well, one, it can be very dangerous to fall and very easy to fall into false teaching and false doctrine. If we don't grow in our faith, if we keep the elementary teachings of Scripture and we just stay babies, still drinking milk instead of solid food, as we'll see Paul talk about in a moment, then we'll fall for false teaching when it comes up in the church. A few years back, there was a teaching that I think originated in Midwest somewhere that taught that there was a certain level of faith that you could achieve in your relationship with Jesus Christ, that it didn't matter what you did, it didn't matter when you sinned, what your, your sin was, what it was, you didn't even have to ask for forgiveness, that there was grace that would cover it and forgiveness, and, and it, you could just do whatever you wanted to do. And the danger in teachings like that is that they sound good, they sound similar to some scriptures, but they're just completely false. And if we're babies in our faith, we will hear something like that and say, you know what, I think they might be right, and we'll actually go further away from God than closer to him. That particular teaching hit a church that I'm fairly close to, and it caused a lot of divisiveness and division and, and a lot of hurt with that church and a lot of people with that church, and it broke my heart to see that. We have to be growing in our faith to know the true teachings of Jesus Christ and what, he's, what he teaches in this book, and what our faith is, what he's like, in order to avoid false teaching and false doctrine. And the other reason why it's so important for us to be growing in our faith is to be able to know the deep things about God, to be able to go into a deeper relationship for, with God for him to reveal himself to us in unique and powerful ways. And the, the author of the book of Hebrews is talking about the priest line of Jesus. And in chapter 5, he's talking about this priest line of Jesus and how Jesus is not of the traditional priest line, but of the Melchizedekian priest line. And he tells his readers, like, I'd love to share with you more about this, but I can't. In Hebrews 5, 11 and 12, it says, but it's difficult to explain, especially since some of you are spiritual dull, spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things of God's word. I find myself getting so angry with the readers that the author's writing to. Why could you not have taken your faith seriously? And, and, and why, then, why are we missing this great truth about Jesus and Melchizedek and who God is? And, and we're missing this because we didn't take our faith seriously. We weren't growing in our faith. And then I start to get a little frustrated with myself when I ask the question, what have I missed out on because of my immaturity? Because I have not been growing the way that I should. Because I have not yet gotten to that point of maturity in my faith with Christ. And let's just, let's just get this out of the way up front. None of us are going to actually get to that place of full maturity until we see Jesus face to face in heaven. But until that day, we work so that God can reveal himself to us in deeper and more personal ways. I can't help but wonder what would happen if Moses in the Old Testament, when God revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush that wasn't burning, God saw, set this bush on fire and Moses saw it, and God called out to Moses, take off your shoes for the place you're standing is holy ground. And then he did these miraculous things in the, in the presence of Moses. And then he called Moses to go and free his people from Egypt where they were serving as slaves. 
And I can't help but wonder, but what if Moses said, you know what, I've experienced more in this burning bush than most people have in a lifetime of knowing Jesus, of knowing God. I don't think I'll go. I think I'll write a couple books. I think I'll do a speaking tour. I think I'll, I'll share what I've learned about Jesus up to this point. But what would he have missed out on if he said no and was content with where he was in his faith and he was not willing to be used and grow in his faith and in his relationship with God? I think about Paul. Before Paul was Paul, he was Saul and he was persecuting the church. And he had this encounter with Jesus where Jesus met him face to face told him who he was, this personal, incredible encounter, more than what many of us will ever experience in our lifetime. And what if he was okay with that? What if he was content with that and said, you know what, this is enough for me right now. I don't need to grow in my faith. I don't need to keep telling people about Jesus. I don't need to keep seeking God and growing in my faith. This, this is good. What would we have all missed out on? And so in the same way, I kick myself when I get comfortable and content with where I am in my faith, and I should still be growing, should still be learning. And some of you are in the same boat. Some of you have been coming to church week after week, month after month, year after year for decades, and you're still spiritual babies. It's not just a unique problem to us in this church. It happens in every church across America. It's been happening in every church since Paul. Paul actually speaks to the church in Corinth in chapter 3. He says, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. We have to be growing in our relationship with Jesus to get, be closer to him, to be serving more, to experience him closer to to know the deep truths of God and Jesus and who he is we we have to be growing in our faith as I thought about this I think there's three key elements involved in, in different aspects of our faith and how we grow that I want to talk about this morning and the first one is simple the first one is just simple knowledge knowledge of who Jesus is when you are baptized when you give your life to Christ we have to start with the knowledge of who Jesus is. And it's simple. We just read this book. We read this book in the Old Testament to see what God was like back in the olden days. We read the New Testament to see what he's like through his son in the newer old days. We read this book simply to soak in knowledge. You see, we can't go on to the, the depths of calculus and, and complicated math if we don't first know that 2 plus 2 equals 4. And in order to grow in our faith, we have to start with just the basic knowledge of who Jesus is, of who God is, and we just have to get in this book. It's really easy. It's just reading. It's soaking it in. It's, it's actually taking time with God to know what he's like, to know what he likes, to know what he dislikes. It's just taking time in this book, but it's also really hard because let's face it, life is busy. There's other things that take our time. We get distracted. We'll read, I don't know about you, but I'll at least read a passage and be like, wait a minute, what did I just read? Sometimes it's confusing. And so while on the one hand it's easy, on the other hand it's also very hard because this is also the starting point. Are we actually serious enough to grow in our faith that we're just willing to sit down 15, 30 minutes a day and get in this book? How seriously do we want to take our personal growth with Jesus Christ? 
Peter saw this as so important when he wraps up his second letter. This is his final words of this letter. He says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. After everything I've said to you, keep growing in the grace and knowledge of who Jesus is. Keep studying this book. Keep studying and, and learning who he is. So first we have to start with growing in our knowledge of who Jesus is. Second, we have to grow in our understanding. We all know of those people who are extremely book smart, but they seem to have not much common sense and real world application of, of that book knowledge. Well, see, our faith is not that way. We can't just know this book and not apply it to life. We have to know this book and then understand it, have wisdom to apply it to real life. We have to see in this book that, that God wants us to be kind to one another. So the next time that we're in life and we have an opportunity to be kind to somebody, we are kind because we are growing in our faith. We know that in God's word, he, he, he talks about honesty and how it, important it is to be honest with others. So the next time that we have the chance to cover our, our own butts because we told a lie or we made a mistake, then we are growing in our faith when we choose to be honest. We know how much that God values integrity. So the next time that we have a chance to build our integrity, to do the right thing, we take it because that's what God teaches in his book. We know that God values patience. So in the real world, when we have a chance to be patient and we take it, we grow in understanding and knowledge and applying that to our lives. Paul in Colossians says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased praying to pray for you, asking that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. See, Paul almost paints this circle for us that starts with knowledge and then goes to, to living it out, walking in a manner worthy, living it out in our everyday life, and then also increasing in, again, knowledge. And I'm convinced beyond convinced that when we know what God is, what God is like, what he wants from us, and when we apply it, understanding and wisdom to our lives, then God will reveal a deeper part of who he is. We'll see him in a deeper light. We'll see him for his true, who he is, and in ways that, that maybe others don't. I go back to the example of Melchizedek in the book of Hebrews. They didn't understand it. They didn't get it because they weren't ready for it. They weren't at that point in their faith. But if we could grow, then just maybe we could understand how important that is to the lineage of Jesus. We have to increase in knowledge. We have to increase in understanding. I think finally it's also very important that we grow in generosity. And I know when I mention generosity, probably most of you go immediately to money. And, and it's, money is just such a small part of what generosity is all about. It's a, it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of a mindset of being generous with not just our money, but our possessions, our time, our abilities, of our mindset of being generous and our thoughts towards others. And, and money is certainly a part of it, but it's just such a small part. When Jesus was walking with his disciples, they came to the temple and they were seeing what the religious leaders were giving and they were making a big spectacle of it. And they were saying, hey, look at me, guys. I'm giving all this big amounts of money. They'd throw coins in there and make it rattle around, make it seem like they're giving so much money. But Jesus pointed out a widow who was giving two small copper coins. 
And his comments to his disciples were, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance. She gave, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. It's not about the amount. It's about your heart. Frankly, at the end of the day, if you're giving 10, 20, 30 dollars a week, if you give $100,000 a year, but your heart's not in it, you're just doing it because you feel like that's what you have to do, I'm going to ask you to stop. And our finance team is freaking out right now, but it's not about the amount of money. God can do more with a little bit than with a lot if our heart is in the right place. And I want more than anything for our hearts and what we give to be in the right place. But it's not just about money. It's being at a traffic light and the light turning green and someone zooming by. And instead of getting all mad and angry, we're generous in our assumptions. And think, you know what, maybe they just got a phone call that a loved one was in a car accident. Guarantee you that'd be me coming by if I got that call. It's being generous in our assumptions if you trip me that I assume you did not see me and you did not do it on purpose. It's being generous in our assumptions with others that if I see somebody on the side of the street asking for money and I am generous with my money and I give it to them, I am going to also be generous in my attitude and assume they're going to use it for something that they need and not just video games. But then again, I'm going to be generous in my assumption and if they use it for video games, and I'm going to assume that that's a necessity. I'll never forget the time we were in Cincinnati and our missions organization was talking to us about how they were working with a single mom on her budget. And she had a budget line item for video games. And they thought this would be a great opportunity to teach and about the difference between wants and needs. And, and they asked her about it. And she said, you know, I live in a not so great part of town. And sometimes I work in my son's home alone by himself. And if I buy a new video game for him, it means he's inside playing that video game and not on the street getting into trouble. It's a mindset that I just don't understand. But I can be generous in assuming that it's with a pure heart that they're doing whatever that they're doing. Because at the end of the day, when we can be generous in our assumptions and our thoughts about other people, we grow in our faith. We realize that we're not the judge. And they'll have to stand before Jesus and they'll have to account for that one day, but that's not our place to do so. We can be generous in our assumptions and not hold it against them. And come on, let's be honest. At the end of the day, when we don't do that, when we're not generous with our assumptions, it hurts us, right? We get bitter. We get angry. It messes up our day because somebody blew a red light and we had to break an extra two seconds. So when we grow in our faith with God, we grow in generosity. We realize that the things of this world are not the things we're taking with us to heaven, that the things of the kingdom of heaven are more important than anything in this world. So we hold the things of this world loosely. We hold the things of this world loosely, and we hold tightly to the things of the kingdom of heaven. So when we grow in our faith, we grow in knowledge, we grow in understanding, and we grow in generosity. So the big question that we've been asking through this series is how are we doing this as a church? In this vision, if this is so important, how are we applying this? What are we doing to facilitate love, grow, and serve as a church, as an organization, as Mechanicsville Church of Christ? Some of them, as I mentioned last week, they overlap a little bit. And one of the ways that we grow is by serving, and we're going to talk about that next week, and I'm really, really, really excited about that. 
The main way that we facilitate this as a, as a church, though, is by life groups. Some church call them small groups. Some churches call them cell groups. They used to be called Sunday school classes here at the church years ago. Some people still refer to them as Bible school or Bible studies or whatever you want to call it. The idea and the principle here is that there's a smaller group of people who get together to dive into God's word, to, to know about who he is, and they unpack that to apply it to life, to understand how that works. And it's a small group where we can share our hurt and our pain, where we can serve together, where we can be generous together as a group, as a small group of people. We call it life groups. And it's important to be plugged into a life group because I'm telling you, I love our time together here. I love our time, and especially when someone yells out a mm-hmm, preach it, or an amen, like, love it, keep it up. But this really isn't the right time for someone to raise your hand and say, hey, I got a question about something you just said. Now, I am more than willing to talk to anybody about this. This is why I got into ministry, to dive into this book, to talk about this book. Like, I will talk with anybody, anytime. Just shoot me an email, give me a call, we'll talk about it. This really isn't the time for that. So that's why we have life groups. Smaller groups where that is the time to ask questions, to dive into this book, to, to grow in our faith, to grow in understanding, to grow into the knowledge of who Jesus and who God is. So we have life groups. So we're going to do something to wrap up that's a little different because I want you guys to have an opportunity to get plugged in to a life group. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask the life group leaders who um, who run life groups to be at different places in the, in the sanctuary here. Life group leaders who lead a women's only group are going to be on this side of the sanctuary here. Uh, life group leaders who lead a life group on Sunday morning, uh, 9.45, and then you can just come right on to worship are going to be in the back. They're just going to be spread out in the back of the sanctuary here. And life group leaders who lead a different group on another night of the week are going to be over here to your right and my left. If you're online, we are thrilled that you are joining us. We also have online life groups. So if you don't want to come in person, we have an online option. There's going to be a Zoom link that's pasted into the chat feature um, of whatever platform you're watching this on. And if you'd like to see what that's like, you can log on and, and, and engage and, and be a part of what we're about to do. Um, if you would like to get plugged in with the group, just email me. Um, and my email address will pop up on the screen in just a couple moments. But we want to give you guys a chance to get plugged into a life group because they are so important. Now, just so this isn't awkward, because I know that many of you are involved in a life group already, and we don't have some people standing up and moving around and not others, what I'm going to ask you to do is that everybody stand up. Not right now. I'm glad, because no one did anyway. This is great. Everybody's going to stand up in just a moment. And if you're a part of a life group, go find your life group leader as they're standing around the perimeter here, and just tell them one thing that you really love about your life group. One thing that you really appreciate, It'll, this will do two things. One, it'll feel good to the life group leader to know that there's something you appreciate about their group. About their group. But second, it's useful information for us to know what you enjoy, what you value about being part of a group. So I'm going to pray. Eric's going to play a little bit in the background here. And we're just going to go, we're going to share the one thing. If you're plugged in already to a life group, that's awesome. Share that one thing. If you're not, take this chance and talk to a couple life group leaders Ask them what kind of things you study, when they meet, where they meet. Um, if they think their group would be a good fit for them, I will be the first to admit I know that not every group is a good fit for every person. That's why we have so many of them. 
So we want to provide you this opportunity right now to go and to, to ask questions and check them out because they're so important. So I'm going to pray, and as soon as I pray, we're going to take three or four minutes, and then Eric's and the praise band is going to come back out, and we're going to continue in worship after that time. Let's pray together. Father, you are so, so good to us. God, we are so thankful for the way that you have revealed yourself to us in Scripture, for the way that you have drawn us into a deeper relationship with you, the way that you reveal yourself to us just personally as we grow and mature in our faith. God, life groups, or whatever we want to call them, are so, so crucially important. And so I pray that we take this time seriously, that we can get plugged in, that we, that we want to be able to grow in our faith, that we don't just be complacent and comfortable as being babies in the faith and being fed milk instead of the good meat and potatoes of Scripture and who you are. God, we love you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.